back at the Book of Aurora podcast. It's me, Crystal. And it's me, Monica. And it's me, Cameron. They released Metroid 5. <laughs> they did. That happened. The sequel to Metroid 4, long awaited after 19 years. This is quite a sequel. Uh, they they introduced a new species in this game, the, uh, the, the Chozo? Yeah, they actually appeared for the first time in a mainline Metroid game. Took them a while. Yeah, it this- was interesting for them to incorporate a bunch of like uh, like fan content into this game. Yeah, putting in all the stuff from all them comics, what were made, and the- a, a fan comic or a fan concepts that emerged from a mistranslation of Bird Statue. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everything's canon in Metroid if you wait long enough and hope hard enough. Uh, but this was a good game. This was the yeah. best Metroid game. <laughs> Yeah, I think I would probably agree with that, especially with regards to the classics. I'm glad that you enjoyed it, though, Crystal. I was halfway worried that you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. No, they made they made this one uh, fun to play. So it's similar to Samus Returns, only good. Yeah, no, they have more buttons on the Nintendo Switch. They do. Sometimes more buttons is an advantage. Yeah, that means you have enough buttons to do everything you need to do, and they're all within reach. I still feel like there was one button too few. Because I felt like I was pressing like many different buttons all together at the same time. You're often very bad at remembering buttons. I am. That that I acknowledge. And the also, I don't know if adding another bit. button would have improved it. Yeah, the only thing that tripped me up a little bit was the grapple beam. Yes. Yeah, the grapple beam is always a bit of a tricky thing to deal with. It, it, it mostly worked pretty good in this one, though. Everything mostly worked pretty good in this one. So, contrary to expectations, there's... Not much of a federation in this story. Yeah. Yeah, no, she, we- she dealt with that rogue faction. I don't think she has. I, I think that uh, I think that the problem of Samus and the Federation is part of the second arc of Metroid. It took us 35 years to get through it, but this is only the end of the first arc of Metroid. How dare they continue or start a second arc without finishing the first arc? Well, they finished it. This was it. I know, but like in between... Oh, I see. So you're talking about like Fusion and Other M. They were hinting at the arc to come. Right. And how dare they hint at future stories? But that's already the beginning of that arc. Oh, I see. Well, that's okay. It doesn't have to be that hard delineated. <laughs> did you notice how they uh, they set up the twist in this one? They did. However, because do you of, mean? Well, because at the beginning, Adam calls Samus Lady. That's true. You know, as, as a reminder of that classic uh, character quirk from Metroid much Fusion. Much loved. Yes, but much. Yeah. He he no longer calls her lady for the rest of the game. Yeah, pretty much as soon as she goes underground, the lady shit is out the window. Because now he's a different guy. He's a different father figure. <laughs> huh? This is that. I I will say this is a good twist. Should <laughs> should should we talk about the? Should we? Should we no, I mean, should we talk about like the actual events of the story, or do we just want to jump right into spoilers? It up to up to the both of you. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna talk about the whole thing. Okay. And we can start from the beginning. Uh regardless of how dealt with the Splinter Faction is, it is not currently a problem for Samus Aaron, the okay. last Metroid. No. No, not at all. Well, I mean, there's certain indications that Samus still has problems with what's going on in the Federation, even in this opening sequence, it's like, huh, sure is some weird stuff going on here, says Adam. But she's taking bounties, and there isn't, like, a giant target on her back. Crystal, how does the game begin? 
The Federation has received a signal from the planet ZDR. There's uh, been a video of there being some sort of ex-parasite still alive on the planets. That's absurd. And through analysis, it was proof that the video was real. This is not a deep fake. We gotta invest this shit. Investigate this shit. Yeah, but it's like, I like that as it starts off, Adam is like, why are we doing this? The pay is like way too low for the threat presented here. Nobody in their right mind would take this. And Samus doesn't say shit about it. She just keeps going. Hey, why is the pay so low? Because it's set up that way so that Samus is the only person who would take it. Yeah, who would take a bounty on X? It's it's specifically to grab her attention. The disparity, too, is to grab her attention. Do, do we feel that? Go ahead. It just seems like they should be paying her a lot for this very important job. Well, who's the one setting up the bounty? Uh, someone in the Federation? I don't think so, because it seems like this bounty was set up specifically to lure Samus in. I think that there may be... Uh, powers that work on ZDR that could be related to this bounty getting put up, maybe? You're saying Raven Beak put it up. I I am certainly suggesting. <laughs> I, I suppose that's like more the traditional concept of bounties, where it's not like the government gives a, a set of missions and the value and they're outsourcing. This is, you know, a, a, a private individual posting something that wants to be done. Yes. I don't know if Japan's aware of that usage of bounty. <laughs> I mean, they clearly are, because that's what's happening here. But then also, this is being done by Mercury Steam. It would have in concept. All right. I keep forgetting this is done by Mercury Steam. Who are Spanish? Yes, it is a Spanish studio. Okay. Of Lords of Shadow fame. Yeah. I liked that first one a lot. Not not the second one. Yeah, I guess they don't directly say that the bounty's from the Federation. I mean, here's the thing. Ravenbeak, we'll talk about him later, could also just have connections within the Federation. That is a possibility. You'd think that so long as the Federation noticed that there is probably X, they would try to do a lot more. Well, I mean, this was presaged by the Federation sending out another team trying to determine if the X were out and about, right? And the team got wiped out? Or am I confusing that for fusion again? No, this is, they send in the Emmy. Okay, they sent in the Emmy. Oh, right. Crystal, tell us about the Emmy. Uh, the enemy are seven robots who happen to look a lot like Chozo for some reason. And they're That's made true. of the strongest stuff in the universe. So their armor plating cannot be penetrated. And of course, since they are machines, they are immune to the X. What a good thing to be immune to the X. I really freaked out because they are specifically described as having like biomaterial inside. And I don't care how armor proof that armor <laughs> is. The X can get in there. Monica is tr making a face at me to communicate what she means, and it's working, but that won't work in the podcasting format. You can imagine my face. No, they can't. Oh. But okay, so they send in the Emmy, and they lose all contact with the Emmy, even though the Emmy are basically, they feel very specifically designed to hunt down uh, individuals like the X, or perhaps, say, a Metroid. Though they actually wouldn't do super good against the Metroid. We'll get into why later. I feel like they're good science robots generally. Yeah. So Samus lands on the planet and we get our intro sequence. And Adam's like, hey, uh, you got to go down into the planet, but we might not be able to communicate. Be sure to keep the lines open. Ah! And then Samus loses communication with Adam. And, you know, that's how it goes. And then there's... Uh a nice Sakura tree. Is and there a nice a Sakura tree? Is there a nice Sakura tree? A tree with pink 
blossoms. I don't know. Crystal, what was your first impression of the big bad bird daddy? Um, well, I guess, first of all, this whole setup with Achozo is is completely compatible with anything in Metroid Prime. Anything, you say? Because they're, they're, they're basically the forerunners from Halo. They're said to have mysteriously disappeared. But here, here this is just, just another, yet another Chozo planet. Yep. There's a bunch of those in Metroid Prime. And like, Ravenbeak's appearance is mysterious, but not in the sense of, I thought all the Chozo were gone, but in the sense of, what are you doing here specifically? <laughs> Samus doesn't quite... She's on the, the aggressi- aggression on the get-go. Yeah, she sees uh, Ra- she sees this big Chozo general and goes, well, it's time to gun. But yeah, it's because did- of her, uh, her uh, instinctive Metroid DNA. Oh, God. She uh, also does that when she meets the X. She also comes from a tribe that doesn't interface very well with this particular sect of the Chozo, but we'll get to that later. What did you make of Ravenbeak when you first saw him? Uh, he he looked evil. Is it is it the is it the priestly mitre that he's wearing? It's more his uh his his glaring expression. He looks pissed off with uh with uh, uh evil intent. This raw looking motherfucker. I'd say more than the mitre, it's the armor and the big ass gun. The, the big ass gun. I do like that Samus's first reaction to seeing him is to bring her gun out and get ready to fight, though. And they do fight. That that fighting is the first thing that they do. It's almost like how they say hello, sort of. If it's birds, I guess his plumage might be very clear that he's uh, an aggressor. He's sort. He, he doesn't have any plumage exposed. Oh no. It's all armor. Bird, bird, bird. It's the miter. It's the... Okay. Yeah. Am I using the right word for that? I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Right, but his scarf thingy. With words on it that probably say powers everything, which is also what he says after a cutscene occurs and he defeats Samus. The fight scene's kind of neat. They actually use actual abilities that the player would use. You see a super missile kind of chip his armor. The thing about this first sequence is that Samus actually outfights him at every step of the way. She dodges through his stuff. She gets off a charge attack. She damages his armor. And then he like kicks in that, no, I'm going to win now. Power boost. And basically just chokes her out. And then she wakes up with a kind of physical amnesia. And we also see before uh, before her memory cuts out that her eyes started glowing purple. Like some kind of power was activated within her. Yes. Do you think that <laughs> that the power is everything line was like a trigger word? Or do we think this is the choking out part? Oh, interesting. So you're thinking that it might be something built. Hmm. He likes saying it. He does. And it is the thing that presages her uh, blacking out and a later thing. Yes. I don't. I don't know. I mean, it could be. I mean, if powers everything is sort of like the uh, the motto of the Mockin tribe, which Samus is doubly genetically predisposed to hate, maybe that activated her DNA. And also, if there was a Mockin at her, not say creation, but uh, her rebirth, her rebirth, they could have added something in. That's true. They could have. They could have added in like. Um, trigger phrases to activate dormant parts of her personality or parts of the Malkin DNA that were plugged into her. There's a lot going on, potentially. 
but we haven't actually gotten to the part where she's part Maukeen yet. But we have met our first Chozo, and now he's gone. What happened? Why did he leave? No one knows. But we're so deep in the planet now, and the fight with the Chozo general destroyed the elevator that we used to get down there. So now we've got a new thing we got to do, which is leave. We got to get to the top of the planet. It's a reverse Metroid. It is an anti-Metroid. I like how when she wakes up, she looks at her hand, an important hand. It is an important hand. Why do you think she looks at her hand? It's kind of giving her funny feelings. Funny feeling hand. Uh Uh-huh. Monica's making a claw hand at my face. I'm translating this to to sound for everyone else. (laughs) Why does my hand feel like a Metroid? It doesn't feel like a Metroid. Samus should feel should Samus feel like a Metroid more often, honestly, since she's been Metroid since the beginning of Fusion. Well, yeah, but they, she feels more Metroid than ever. Um, they they have a bit of a workaround because supposedly her Foha genes are su- stop it. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Zipping mm-hmm. my mouth. So we go to a uh, conversation room and talk to. Uh, Adam. And this is the means by which most of the plot is communicated to us through the rest of the game. We get to communication rooms where it is understood that by patching into the communications network throughout ZDR, you're able to talk directly to Adam, who's able to not quite tell you where to go, but give you an idea of what's going on and what your next objective should be in a broad sense. Crystal, I don't know about you, but because of fusion and especially because of Other M, I tried not to think very much about Adam and his characterization through the course of this game. Uh, So you didn't pick up on the lady thing then? No, she did that almost instantly, actually. I felt something was off, but then I'm like, well, this is not the best of characters. He's now saying Samus and get to your ship and and so on. But, you know, let's not think about it. I'm the one who didn't pick up on the lady thing. How about you, Crystal? I don't think I picked up on it until like halfway through and I was like, hmm, it's weird that Adam isn't really talking like Adam. He's talking more like Fusion Adam before he realized he was Adam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I did immediately think it was weird that like, oh, uh, we can't connect to the signals on your ship, but I can still talk to you somehow. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mercury Steam did a good job or whoever the writer. I'm not going to say Sakamoto. <laughs> I mean, it could have been. Sakamoto with a few other editors behind him with giant sticks. Did a good job. Yeah, there's a... Yeah, I think so. I I think that this is also generally a good way to frame the story and the progress of the game because it gives you a broad idea of what you should be doing, but doesn't direct you in how it does it. Crystal, you mentioned in uh, Line how you liked the way that the linearity of this game compared to, say, Fusion... Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, because in Fusion, they they stop the game to to flash the map to tell you where to go. They do that in Zero Mission as well. Uh, and here they don't do that, but they just sort of, by the way the map is laid out, give you a direction of where to check out. You, you kind of get funneled not so much by a map, but by the environment itself. Yeah, that's, that's good level design in my opinion. Yeah. And there's specific parts of the level design that were built to, for sequence breaking. That's true, too. Uh, people have found quite a lot in it that sequence breaks um, a hell of a lot. I don't know what the speed runs in this game look like now without out of bounds. I think there's probably some out of bounds by that. Maybe there's not. I don't know. Now, one question here to me is, when do you think Samus knew something was weird? With Adam? Yes. Instantly. 
instantly? Oh, yeah. How about you, Crystal? I mean, it could have been instantly. I don't think it would have really changed her actions because she doesn't really have a choice but to cooperate. That's, I would that's agree. the thing about silent protagonists is you can just kind of project whatever you want. That's true. You can. I think there like, are enough. Go ahead. Sorry, no, go on. I think there are enough hints during the first conversation with quote unquote Adam. Well, and what, what hints are you talking about? What, that, that he calls her Samus, that he mentions your ship. Oh, yes, your that, ship. That the ship can't be controlled, like uh, like Crystal said, but we can still communicate here. Yeah, I, be- I remember that being a thing in Fusion, that Samus is so familiar with the way that Adam talks, and that that's how she recognizes that the computer that she's talking to is actually Adam. And it's in a story sort of sense, like... I don't know if she would have had more occasion to speak to him that we wouldn't see in terms of characterization, but the, like the huh, that sure was a big giant chozo something. With a really cool, strong, manly arm pose that he did. Oh, there's no way you can fight him. Well, th- yeah, that's, that's later, but there are a lot of weird uh, <laughs> observations on Adam's part, yes. How did you feel about that, uh, Crystal, about uh, Adam being Ravenbeak's hype man throughout the course of the game? It was pretty. It's pretty clever twist. Yeah, and did it did make it funny to think about the times where he said like, "Yeah, you are not strong enough to beat a Raven Beak. You're not even close. Even at full power, you would barely stand a chance." There's been a lot of funny comics online about that. <laughs> yeah, it's just like Raven Beak flexing into the microphone, pretending to be Adam. It's like, oh, he's so cool and manly, and he could probably like he's probably got like an eight pack. Ravenbeak definitely has an eight-pack, he says, checking himself in the mirror. This entire course through the planet is a training session by, by Ravenbeak. Yeah, basically. He's looking to, to activate Samus's Metroidness. Metroid Dread is kind of an interesting game for the Book of Aurora to try to tackle because it has cutscenes in it and it has specific arcs throughout the planet that you go through. It's got different areas where you do different things and it's punctuated by boss fights, but it isn't delineated in terms of story in the way that most of the games we talk about are. We can't zero in on specific conversations with specific people the way that we do in Zelda games because all the conversations are just between Samus and Adam um, as she moves through the game. We could go through it linearly. I've made some notes on each conversation point. Oh, I see. Did you make any notes on the environments? Yes, a little bit. But you'll have to bear with my chicken scratch. I mean, you're the one doing the reading. <laughs> yep. Um, well, let's go through like the first Emmy, I suppose. Yeah, let's talk about the Emmys because Adam is like, hey, the Emmys are super dangerous right now because you actually run into an Emmy on your way to... Uh, it's like the first thing you run into after Ravenbeak. This one is kind of very busted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, this is actually an important element because when it's time to take on the first Emmy, which is hella busted, something tore it to shit in spite of the fact that it's made of the strongest stuff in the universe. Who could have done that? And you have to find its central processing unit, which um, is a big blue mother brain. And the first one that you get to is also on the floor. It's, It's basically dead. And Samus rests her hand on it and kind of absorbs the energy from it. And that powers up her gun to be the super gun just long enough to kill the Emmy. But she absorbs, it's a very Metroid-like thing to take that power directly from a fallen enemy. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what she usually does. That is what she usually does, but most of the time when she gets new weapons or powers, she plugs herself into uh, a terminal that's meant to give her that specific ability. I think this is the first time since, well, Fusion was all about this, where she would latch onto enemies and drain new abilities from them. But outside of Fusion, I think this is the first time since Super Metroid where that's happened, when the baby Metroid gave her the hyper beam. Right. Yeah, and I guess in the earlier games, there's power-ups around, and it kind of looks like she absorbs it, but... She's basically absorbing the strength from her enemies according to the old manuals. Yeah. So she's been doing that the whole time. It's just very specifically Metroid-y here, because she does it by laying her hands on the central processing unit, absorbing its power, getting the big gun, and then shooting the Emmy in the face. And after you do that... Adam's like, hey, so it turns out probably all the Emmys are going to try to kill you on sight, and you can't fight them. Just run, run, run. I really like the first one being damaged, and yes, you see in the end arts that it's by Ravenbeak, but that first one being damaged to me feels like a cat trying to train a baby kitten. Like, this is how you kill prey. It's like Ravenbeak brings Samus a wounded mouse, so to speak. Do we think the brains came with the Emmys? Yeah, because they're the control units of the Emmys. Yeah, absolutely. For me, I, they go ahead. Go on. For me, I don't think that they were actually part of the original Emmy design. Oh, right. Yes, I was thinking about this like six months ago. This is one of the thoughts that I had. Go on, go on, go on. Yes, because firstly, they look like brains. They do look like mother brain. Secondly, uh, an exploration science unit robot would be really strange to if they only could wander in a certain area, if they couldn't just free roam across a planet to find their targets. Right. And three, they've got Chozo powers. They do have Chozo. They do specifically have Chozo powers. So, Monica, are you suggesting that what happened is that the Emmys were originally completely autonomous, but when they landed on ZDR, they were essentially shackled to the central processing units, which essentially overwrote them. Uh-huh. So they got super hacked by the big Chozo mother brains. Uh-huh. And once the mother brains are broken and Samus deactivates their ability to control the Emmys, the Emmys recognize the mother brain and that energy as a threat, which is why they beeline straight for Samus as if she was the central processing unit and tried to kill her. Yes, all of that. What do you think of this, Crystal? This checks out to me. This makes sense and it connects the the uh, units to the Metroid manga, which has Mother Brain was invented by Chozos. <laughs> it really does. There's quite a bit more that connects to that in this game. This game is all about making the Metroid mangas uh, completely canon within the context of Metroid Dread. I'm crying. You better start crying. <laughs> this shit doesn't stop. But yeah, I can completely see like the other... Chozo person that we haven't gotten to yet, programming them in, putting in the wave beam, for instance. Yes. Or the morph ball. Yes. Specifically so that Samus would get them upon defeating these particular Emmy. So we beat the first Emmy, and pretty soon after, there's a second Emmy around the place. But before you actually address that one, uh, you fight Corpus. All right, Corpus, the big lizard predator dude. And Aeon is back from Metroid, the previous game. How do you feel about the Aeon system, Crystal? 
I like the Aeon system. I like that they're each on a different button, so I don't have to swap out my load or whatever. That is pretty important, isn't it? Yeah, I don't like swapping my load out. Yeah, load out swapping. I never want to do that in a video game. No, never if you can help it. It really did improve from Returns. Go ahead. Are are the brains never called Aurora units? Not to the best of my knowledge. I have it in my head for some reason, but I don't know if they actually say that. Yeah, I think they're just called central units. Yeah, the Aurora they are clearly Aurora units. They're drawing on the same idea here. But I think that Metroid Prime 3 Corruption and Metroid Dread propose very different origins for the supposed Aurora units. Because Metroid Prime 3 Corruption kind of hints that Mother Brain was a stolen uh, Federation supercomputer. Yes. But Metroid Dread implies that they are very much Chozo artifacts. I suppose they could be Chozo originally, and then this was sufficiently copied by the Federation, only they couldn't like miniaturize them, so these are really much bigger. Maybe. Maybe. Well, I guess they always are about pretty big. They're huge. Yeah, never mind. On to back moving on to Aeon though, wasn't that a power that was just on SR388? Specifically this energy from that planet? Crystal. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm thinking about this because it was energy created by the planet itself. It was the life stream, basically. Uh-huh. But I don't know if I kind of felt like that's something that is true of all planets. It's just more accessible on SR388 for some reason. Like the Chozo discovered it on SR388, but it would have existed uh, anywhere. Something like that. Or or they figured out how to harness it. It's like how people have known about oil for a long time, but they didn't know what to do with it. Maybe Aeon is like a quantification of the energy that Metroids drain. That all works for me. I mean, maybe. It's definitely all of the Chozo tech that you acquire through the game is in the form of Aeon skills. It is Aeon-based. And they're enshrined by giant statues, which is kind of cool. It is cool. I like it when they got the giant statues. So we get Corpus, and then from Corpus, we get the ability to turn invisible. And you can't run while you're invisible, but you can walk, and your footsteps are silent, which is nice. Very important. Emmys hunt you a lot in this. How did you find the Emmy hunt sections, Crystal? They were a little annoying at first, but once I started treating them like puzzles, I had more fun with them. Oh, that's good. It definitely is a but puzzle, huh? I was thinking more about the Aeon, because in the Samus Returns, you, you pick it up, right, from enemies? Yeah. Yes. But here, you just recharge it yourself. That's true. So is that coming from, like, because Samus ate the X in Metroid 4? Could be. I mean, X seem like they would be congealed Aeon, almost. Yeah. Something like that. Works for me. The, the the light from the planet that we saw in Sam's Returns looks the same color as X Jelly. That is also true. Wasn't it kind of yellowy? I guess the, the basic yellow X kind of looks like it. Yeah, absolutely. Looks like X Jelly. It's a lemon jelly. So Samus is sort of a power plant for Aeon. And Samus this- has so much stuff in her. <laughs> she, she's like 15% human at this point. A lot of that is getting pushed out. Yeah. I think the, yeah, genetic, her her genetic background is an interesting pie chart. Yes, very interesting. Because the way that the Metroid series deals with DNA and being part something is just utterly cuckoo bonkers. And they've stacked a bunch. Yes. <laughs> this is a Metal Gear Solid game. 
Yeah, basically. I mean, it treats genetics much more seriously than Metal Gear Solid does. It's Somewhere just like the- um, 2003 film Hulk. Oh, how how did uh, how did Hulk stand up on your rewatch? It was a very good movie, but the the things that Hulk is composed of is his dad made a Hulk potion made from like jellyfish DNA and starfish DNA and DNA of other animals with like regenerative capabilities. And he drank that potion, which then changed his DNA so that his son inherited it. But then also, then Bruce independently, it developed like nanomachines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which he injected himself with, and then he also then also got exposed to gamma radiation. So then the Hulk potion and the nanomachines and the gamma radiation all together formed Hulk. That's why it can't be re-replicated. This is basically Samus Aaron. Yeah, this is the same thing as Samus. First of all, I wish you could see Cam's face as soon as you started talking about Ang Lee's Hulk. The, the look <laughs> of sheer joy. Oh, I loved that movie when I was younger. I hope I hope that when I eventually rewatch it, it will still be pretty decent. I, I'm glad that we're entering the new era where the best Marvel movies do not come out of Marvel Studios. Yeah. And, nev- and never did. So, uh, back to Dread. I don't know. The, the first two power-ups you get are the Charge Beam and the Spider Magnet. Okay. You mean non-Aeon power-ups. And then the Phantom Cloak. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> they, Where's they figured the out that it doesn't make any sense for Samus to use handlebars, so now she uses magnets. Uh-huh. Hey, magnets are cool. God, they really did figure out that she can't do monkey bars with her gun. <laughs> she looks really cool hanging in the air magnetically. She, yes, that part is kind of cool, and it even works all right when she's like crawling on it. But yes, I'm very glad, like Crystal, that they dropped the monkey bars thing. I can't. God, I'm sure that we talked about that a lot in the Metroid Fusion episode. Yeah. They really make you want the morph ball. Oh, they, oh, there's, I think that the universal Metroid Dread experience is seeing something where you could get through it so easy if you had the morph ball, but you just don't have it. Why can't Metroid crawl? Why can't Metroid (laughs) crawl? She just can't. She cannot. They make you realize how valuable that power is. That I think that that's one of the best things that this game does because they always give you the morph ball like straight straight out of the box. You get the morph ball as your second or first or third thing, and you just take it for granted for the rest of the time. But this one, you have to wait till like a quarter of the way through the game before you get the morph ball, and by the time you get it, it's such a relief. So somewhere around this time, we trek over to the magma powered. Oh lord. Lava zone. Uh-huh. That that powers the rest of the planet with its thermal energy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember its name. Doesn't matter what the... It's crazy. Fireplace. Huh? Kataris, right? Katar. That sounds right, yes. Monica didn't write these parts down. She didn't think it was important. Eh, fireplace. This was a very neat area. Or, is that all you've got to say about <laughs> very neat area? No. I'm trying to make out my chicken scratch. I, I think it was just very interesting, like... Looking at the shape of the maps, and even just the map design in general, where the next place that you have to go really is the next area on the map. And there's some backtracking, but you're always backtracking just no more than one zone away, usually. It's also a very mechanized planet. Look, Yeah, this seems like a planet that's only inhabitable at all because of the technological prowess of the Chozo. Yeah, it it is... Uh, otherwise quite uh, severe. 
it's it's quite a severe place. I mean, there's plenty of wildlife in other biomes, but you definitely can't. Uh, it, it's very hostile to machinery. There's sand everywhere. You get the wide beam. You still don't have the morph ball. Okay, sure. I think you run into the fucking speed boost, Emmy, around this time. Hey, are we? We're not skipping any non-Emmy bosses, are we? Because I feel like pretty early on, maybe even before you get the morph ball, you run into a certain somebody that we have to talk yeah, about. Yeah, we haven't gotten the morph ball yet, but we do run into somebody. The Phantom Cloak boss. Nope, this is after the Phantom Cloak boss. That was the first Aeon. This is the this is a boss who has real serious uh, series-spanning lore implications. Oh, you mean Kraid? Yes, I do mean Kraid. You mean a Kraid? Yes, it is one of the Kraids. What do you make <laughs> of the fact that you run into a Kraid here, Crystal? You know, I guess we just have to accept at this point that Kraids are just guys who live on SR388 and one of them was moved here. Okay, here's what I want to suggest. That's not true, because every other Kraid that we've met up to now was actually from planet Zebus. Oh, right, Zebus, yes. This is marks the, I want to say the fifth crate in the series. Good lord. Including the mini ones? Maybe, yes, including the mini ones. Maybe the sixth. But the fact that crate is here after SR388 was obliterated, or Zebus was obliterated, implies to me, okay, we know that Mother Brain was a Chozo computer. Mm-hmm. We know that there were two Mother Brains. And we talked in the Super Metroid episode at length, where did the second Mother Brain come from? Where did Ridley come from? What is the entire impetus behind the events of Super Metroid in the first place? How did they know about the baby Metroid? When, what set them out to try to steal it from the base that Samus took it to in secret? What force replenished all the pirates, which were very much dead after Samus got done with them? Who is responsible for the return of these ghosts, the new bodies that were given to Fantoon, the new mother brain who was supposed to be the true mastermind behind it all who was the engineer behind the events of super metroid and now metroid dread and i think that the appearance of craid on zdr is the answer to that question ravenbeak's behind it all ravenbeak did the whole thing this is pretty crazy ravenbeak did 911 <laughs> No, Ravenbeak did nine eleven. Yeah, if you know, did did Super Metroid? Uh, okay, well let, let's let's break this down a little bit. Okay, ultimately, Ravenbeak's objective is he wants that Metroid DNA. He loves it. Uh huh. And that's that's why he uh, rebuilt the space pirates and had them try to steal the Metroid, right? Right. And after that failed, he had to what release the X. You or mean like make sure Samus got the Metroid vaccine in her? Um, I think that's the scientist. That was so holy. Yeah, Metroid, he was out of commission. Metroid Fusion was an accident. There was shit happening during the events of Metroid Fusion. Okay, so that was a lucky break for RB. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I I guess this checks out then, right? Yeah, because like. If it, it suddenly explains where Super Metroid came from. In its own narrative, Super Metroid doesn't make any sense. Well, but in, in well, the con- go ahead. Uh, if, if there have been, if there were still Metroids living on SR388, why couldn't he just go there before Samus killed them all? He was getting ready to. He got out of commission starting at that point. <laughs> yeah, he, he was preparing to 
put together a force necessary to completely uh, pacify the Metroids and capture a few of them. But by the time he was ready to do it, Samus had shown up and killed all the Metroids. Okay, this suggests a much more compressed timeline than it I does. was previously imagining. Yes, it is a very compressed timeline. Or the thing that took place that distracted Ravenbeak took years to get under control. That's also possible because I can't imagine how it must, it must have been to... It, it must have been intense in ways that are difficult to communicate. If we accept this, then there is especially no room for Metroid Prime. Oh, absolutely not. No, they're... they're uh, no, oh my, no. I mean, Metroid Prime can exist in its own thing. I don't think that the Aurora units... Except as like crude copies of yeah. it, it would have to be the other way around where Aurora units are based on Mother Brain rather than Mother Brain being an Aurora unit. Mm. That still works. Nothing was explicit in that game. In yeah. those games. What other things conflict with Prime? Yeah, yeah. I want to hear this, Crystal. Uh, the main thing is just how much time they take up between one and two. Because if if the idea is that Ravenbeak just didn't have time to grab a Metroid, he's like Plankton trying to steal a Krabby Patty. There's there's plenty of Metroids all over the place in the Prime games. That is true. Yeah. The the lots of lots of Metroids is a big problem because the the space pirates had tons of Metroids and had proliferated them onto different planets. I'm willing to say it's still theoretically possible. If he was locked down in ZDR. If every mainline Metroid game takes place on a different fucking time. Okay, well, yeah, that's not even getting there. Then we can accept that Metroid Prime itself also takes place on a different time. Sure. Well, we've got to map this out, but that can wait till we're we're through the games. Yes, that's true. The other thing here is, like, I don't think we can accept at all anymore that Crate is some kind of a boss within the Space Pirates. He's just a big animal. I think that's probably exactly right. This one does really hate Samus. He can still be sapient, and I think that memory can carry between his different incarnations, but he's very much a... uh, He's not the boss of his own destiny. Not even a little bit. I felt a bit bad for it with the collar and, you know, chained up in the lava in a room that is big, but not really big. Not like Kraid big. Yeah, not Kraid big. He couldn't really- right, The other thing with Metroid Prime is the the timeline Raven Beak describes is like, th- this war between the rival Chozo tribes was like happening uh, pretty contemporaneously with Metroid 1 and 2. Yeah. Whereas in Metroid Prime, the Chozo are the disappeared forerunners- that's also true. That's- Which makes it, it also just made me wonder, like, how aware was Samus of all this? Because it seems like she should have been. Samus was busy, and uh, her gay bird dads tried their best to keep her away from all this nonsense. <laughs> the the talent for uh, Chozo also were a completely separate group. That's true. Those were sort of the Buddhist hippie ones. Also true. That Nirvana'd out. They did Nirvana. <laughs> They're like, I'm just like, it. If there's if there's some kind of major war going on in Samus's homeworld, I would think she would uh, want to be involved in it. I can't imagine that the Chozo would let her be involved in it. She's not supposed to be like concerning herself with uh, what's the word, internecine conflict, something like that. 
it's hard to mm-hmm. say. Like her home planet is Zebus. It is basically Zebus, yes. And under this theory, Zebus was taken over by the space pirates, which seemed divested from the Chozo. But are also Ravenbeak. Right, right. But like it's not like it can't be clearly identified as a Chozo versus Chozo conflict. One of the big reasons that I think that Ravenbeak is behind the space pirates, outside of the fact that Crate is here is a conversation that happens much later in the game. And I know I don't normally like doing this, but we've done it several times in this episode already, so I might as well do it now. Ravenbeak says that power is everything and that his ultimate goal is to bring order to the universe, to a chaotic universe, and that under his rule, he will make sure that the things that happen terribly to people don't happen no more, which is almost the exact same thing that Mother Brain says in the original Metroid manga. So I'm saying that Mother Brain is just based on Ravenbeak because he doesn't know how to make statues of anyone except for himself. That's pretty funny. Um, the crate fight is, fight is very fun. I, I had fun with it. I thought it was a hoot. Yeah, I think the boss fights in this game are pretty well designed. I always feel uh, when I try it the first time, I'm like, fuck, this is impossible. But then I learned the patterns and it never takes that many tries. And now they've put out a mode where you can play the whole game where you die in one hit. This is them saying, you can definitely beat this game without getting hit. Crystal, did you get the cool, sparky, special ending, big damage thing? What? Isn't there like a big spark? Oh, yes. The, the d- Did you get the morph ball before you fought Kraid? Uh, no, I did not do that. Because there's a special thing where if you get the morph ball before you fight Kraid, you can blow up a particular... Um, square with a morph ball bomb that you also have to get get inside of it and get launched out of a cannon straight into Craig's belly button and you set off a whole bunch of bombs inside of him and it just instantly kills him more than that and that is awesome i think even during the regular fight there's like when he claws at you with one hand and the other hand one of them has a little like sparky react to this oh moment. the counter move the yeah. counter attack yeah. yes it's hard to do how did you find the counterattack in this game, Crystal? Because I know that it was a matter of some contention in the 3DS game. Uh, the timing on it here was pretty fun. I liked it. I liked it countering a boss and entering a special sequence. I liked being able to shoot my gun and charge my gun during a cutscene. Oh, that was really fun. Shooting a gun during a cutscene is the best form of a cutscene. And then Kraid dies and sinks into the lava. And just dissolves or something. To mysteriously not be revisited. He's just not. He's just like, a big animal. He is an all, it, yeah, a big angry animal who hates Samus. Somewhere in the same level, or no, probably in the next level, we run into uh, Dragon in a bottle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in the, uh, in, in the frozen area. Science lab? The science labs where there's all these... Uh, all these creatures in big tubes in the background. One of the silhouettes that you can see is Dragon from Super Metroid, which is another uh, element that I use to suggest that Ravenbeak was the one cloning and creating the space pirates. I think that one. So this would also mean that he's the one who set up the, uh, the attack on Zebus in the first place. Absolutely. That all works. Taking out the, what do they call it? The Toha? Uh-huh. Yeah. When do we run into our boy? Uh, a few more conversations. Damn it. Let's see. An area gets submerged. Uh-huh. You get the space jump. No, you're out to get the space jump, but you'll get the double jump first. Oh, I see. Yes, that does happen. The the All the water sequences with the jumping is like- Oh, I like them. They're very specifically timed, but as soon as I saw the water and I didn't have the gravity suit, I'm like, well, I shouldn't go there. But you've got to. But you gotta. 
Uh, I gotta say, there's nothing in this game that is as viscerally unpleasant to play as Meridia in Super Metroid. I'd agree. Yeah. Yeah, the water stuff wasn't too bad. I just accepted that I was not going to go for collectibles there until I got the gravity suit. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that with the teleporters and stuff, it's not too hard to zoom across the planet. Oh, I'm so yeah. glad for the teleporters, actually. As we advance up the levels um, <laughs> and higher up the planet, we see sunlight. We do see sunlight. You still can't communicate with your ship. No. There seems to be some kind of jamming thing going on, as if somebody has hijacked the entire communications network or somebody built the communications network and is uh, carefully controlling the way that you can interact with it. What a jerk. A a jerk who's also just probably unbeatable in a fight. You'll never touch him. Uh Uh-huh. Let's go talk to some cooler dude. (laughs) Oh, man. What was the name of this one? Quiet Robe. Quiet Robe. Quiet Robe. Crystal, what did you make Quiet Robe? He's not Samus's dad. He kind of is, though. He is at <laughs> least Samus's uh, loving uncle. Yeah, he's Samus's uncle. It's very sweet. I think that this game establishes that Samus has at least five dads. <laughs> it does. I'm just like, they're already making the manga basically canon, but they're not going to actually bring in Grey Voice and such. Oh, that would be cool if they did, though. But I think the implication here is that Grey Voice is dead. Yeah, because the manga's canon. Right. Well, I guess what I would have expected them to say is something like, I was a friend of of, uh, the Chozo who raised you. Or for Ravenbeak to say, I orchestrated the attack on Zebus. (laughs) I killed your dads. I guess the thing is that Ravenbeak and and Quiet Rope don't say those things because they assume that Samus knows this stuff. This is... The rare video game where I just assume that the protagonist knows way more than Uh the player. It is quite. It's a good storytelling usage. Oh, man. (laughs) When. Okay. So, Monica, what what does Quiet Rope tell you? Well, let's go through that scene. And maybe it's worth watching it, too. But I've jotted down notes. You you face a purple Emmy and you fall down. uh, The ground collapses under you. You come across a hieroglyphic wall. Samus can read Chozo, and her hand does the pinky purple thing. And when we were talking about what does that pinky purple hand twitch really mean, and I think we can analyze it now. Uh, I'm I'm posting a link to the relevant sequence in the line chat. Yep, I'm looking at it. Oh, sorry, you fall through the floor first, and then the Emmy's there. Yes. This trap, like, you can feel it as you're playing through. He's like, oh, I don't want to do this part. They're going to make me go down there, and it's going to fall out from under me. Oh, no, an Emmy. Samus doesn't panic, though. I I actually really like the way that this Emmy is introduced, partially because when Samus is reading these Chozo ruins, she understands everything that's being communicated here, but also partially because the Emmy, which is the wave beam Emmy, shoots Samus through the wall. It is very clever. That's wave beam. Yeah. She does recognize uh, the, the, the pharaoh uh, Chozo as... The general. Yes. And her hand does that weird thing. And can we ascribe an emotion to it now? Anger? Uh, hunger. Ooh. I, I, th- I think it's her Metroid DNA, like, mm, I'm programmed to eat the Mokin. I mean, it could be that. It could also be that she really, really hates Ravenbeak. <laughs> I'm, I'm siding with Crystal here. 
Yes, I know you are because <laughs> this is the closest that you can come now that they've totally disproven your idea that this was her losing control completely. It is her losing control. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> it's you know, the even the Metroid me. Fusion, I was already pro the idea that she was being very psychologically affected by her Metroids. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I'm never going to get past – as long as there's only three of us, I'm never going to win this particular <laughs> argument. <laughs> It can you know, also nothing be- affects your brain quite like your stomach. <laughs> That's true. And also, she's getting a serious hormone infusion from the Metroid side of her. And I somehow imagined her within a Snickers commercial. Oh. <laughs> you're just not you when you're hungry. Uh-huh. Grab a Snickers. <laughs> and then her mouth turns into like a Metroid mouth. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's about right. Uh- Y'all are silly. So the the Emmy bursts through and is about to kill Samus and uh, instructions to pause. This cool Chozo just wails on a control panel and is like, no, you're not doing that. And then it doesn't do it. And it just, it completely shuts down. And Samus is like, well, I'm ready to shoot it. Maybe I don't have to. And then our boy Quiet Rope shows up and Samus is like, all right, I have a gun. But Quiet Rope's so cool, and he has a cool theme song. And as soon as Samus recognizes him or recognizes what he really is, and he greets her, she lowers her gun and is like, huh. I like Samus's method of like calculating if you're an enemy or not. I'll hold my gun at you for a few minutes. If you don't shoot, I'm not shooting. You're a friend. <laughs> a scientist of the Toha tribe. This was so cool. And this is where we learn that the name of the general is Ravenbeak. And this is where Quiet Robe explains to us the events that are the background of this game, uh, the beginning of the game, but also the background of Samus Returns, where we get much higher res versions of the unlockable art from the 3DS game and so forth. A Quiet Robe actually does not go into the creation of the Metroids here. No, but it do- he does talk about how it required both the Machin and the, the Toha to contain the Metroids on SR388. And he explains, we're going to destroy the entire planet to get rid of the Metroids because they are that kind of problem. Yeah, I guess that's where uh, Sam's picked it up from. <laughs> yeah. It's a typical it's, Chozo technique. It's just a cultural thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah basically. There's enough, like, sentient, not sentient, but, like, planets that can support sentient life. And their, their thing is like, okay, listen, we've got to do a second draft, but we go very serious and we start from scratch. And it's like, what the fuck does that mean? It's like, this star has one fewer rocks floating around it right now. God. They're, they so often just go, like, we're going to blow up the planet. Uh-huh. Great solution. It's like, we were going to blow up the planet, but Ravenbeak took extreme measures to prevent that. Now, just for the record... Quiet Robe is saying extreme measures compared to blowing up a planet. <laughs> well, yeah, I love that this is like the the choice that you get in like every video game of like, do you want to blow up the research station or do you want to save the research? And he chose the evil choice of saving the research. Well, not just saving the research, but taking all the nuclear weapons out of it. Uh, also, he killed all the scientists. He did. Which is a really like euphemistic way to say he killed all of us. He killed everyone. And based on the art that we can unlock after uh, beating the game, he kept killing them in like a full-on, no-nonsense genocide sort of way. Yeah. Like feeding them to the wildlife of ZDR and so forth. 
Were those Toha or were those? They were Toha. Okay, not his soldiers. No, but it seems like Quiet Robe was the only person left alive when Ravenbeak destroyed the rest of the researchers who were responsible for the creation of the Metroids. And Quiet Robe was kept alive specifically so that his knowledge could be used to help bring the Metroids back. But Quiet Robe's knowledge is incomplete. But only only the Toha can control. Only the Toha can control the Metroids. They are programmed that way, which is an odd thing to put into something. It just seems like Samus is always just barely missing this. Yeah, I think I think that's okay though. You are the child, and your your parents are part of this old cultural battle. They're trying to make sure you don't get caught up in their religious wars. It's just like <laughs> okay, Samus got to SR three eighty eight like right after they left, and then they had to deal with all this X on ZDR. Ah, but then by the time they dealt with that, Samus had just blown up SR388. Yeah. I like to think that the problem with the X took them several years to take care of. Like, that could have been a long time. So that still allows for Prime? Question mark? I mean, probably not. <laughs> but maybe. What I really like about this conversation and getting the Chozo is that I think they did actually pay some sort of con langer, uh, a constructed language uh, uh, to make Chozo. Yes. And people try to map out the words. Yes, absolutely. It's awesome. It is pretty cool. Do we want to try to work out the supposed timeline of the background of this game now, or should we wait till later? Let's wait till later. Okay. Yeah. Okay, because I've, I've got a pretty good idea of how I think it happens. We but... can wait till after. Okay. So here, Quiet Robe also says that ZDR is the home world of the Mawkin, whereas... From previous games, we can assume that Zebus was the homeworld of the Toha. So we've established that different uh, sects of the Chozo have different homeworlds. That makes sense. I like the idea that it's like, we're going to just come on back to ZDR in preparation for gathering Metroids. And then some shit popped off. Those acts. Yes. We thought we were done with them back in 2002, but 19 years later, they're back. You thought that that fake but totally real video would be all you saw of the X, and that is wrong. Wrong. One of the soldiers who returned from SR388, one of the Maquin, was actually an X in disguise. That is actually very big news. All the soldiers were infected by the X. We always hear about the X being very stealthy with how they can pose as people, but we never see it, really. I always, I kept thinking, like, maybe a quiet robe is an X. Now, Crystal. Quiet Robe says here that somehow Ravenbeak narrowly managed to contain the X after they had assimilated all of his soldiers. How do you see this happening? That's a great question. Yeah? How'd he do it? Oh, well, um, I guess we can get into it a little bit later once the X are actually, like, unleashed. Maybe more specifically, how do he do it without any Metroids? That's a... That is a super great question. Let's hang on to that question. We've got to hold, we got to put a pin in it just for right now. We get some super cool art of Samus in Samus Returns. By the time our boy Ravenbeak was finished, he was like, okay, okay, Christ, now we can go after the Metroid. Shit. Because Samus had destroyed all the Metroids on SR388. So if, if all of the soldiers had been infected with X and it's, Literally, the only people who aren't X, the Chozo on this planet, are Ravenbeak and Quiet Rope. Right. 
And Ravenbeak is still like, oh, yeah, I got this. I got That's my next <laughs> phase. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Ravenbeak, uh, you could say that he he's always looking on the bright side. He's always looking, striving toward the future. I, I, I appreciate how much Samus fouled up Ravenbeak's plans by blowing up all the Metroids. And Quiet Rogue was like, that really should have been the end of it. Except that then Metroid Fusion happened, I guess. And that's not good. Well, it's good in a sense. Because now Samus is part Metroid. So basically, Ravenbeak has taken the Emmy and he's set them up so that they can extract Samus's Metroid DNA, so to speak. Now, Crystal, do you see any particular problems with the way that this is set up? Like the idea that extracting her DNA is the problem? Our DNA is not activated yet. Yeah, I think that's really the big thing. My suggestion is that Samus's Metroid DNA isn't the thing. You can get her Metroid DNA in a thousand different ways because her blood is all over the place, at least in theory. And he certainly could have extracted it while she was unconscious. The thing is, I think that she has like a Metroid organ somewhere inside of her body that is developing over time in response to outside stimuli. And that what he really needs to see is what is it that causes this organ to develop? He wants a Metroid. He doesn't want Metroid DNA. He's not a scientist. He's not going to make a Metroid. He wants to know how to raise a Metroid. Now, I think this is a reasonable way um, to make what he says make more sense. Okay. But he does say pretty directly that uh, the the development of her Metroid DNA is being suppressed. and He needs to bring it out. Yes, that is what's said, but also um, I just don't think that makes... I'm going to call that a translation error on the part of the authors of the game because there's no way that's actually what he meant. And clearly he's not speaking English or Spanish or any Earth language, so... You're saying the Chozo translator. uh, No. Samus' imperfect understanding of Chozo. Well, no, because Samus herself isn't speaking English either. The person who's translating the Chozo into English. Oh, God. Okay. And this meta narrative <laughs> translated him incorrectly. And then, like the re- recessive genes in Metal Gear Solid. Uh, no, because those motherfuckers were speaking English. <laughs> and Liquid Snake just doesn't know shit about how genes work. I love that Samus speaks Chozo. That was it's such so a good, good. It's so good. She spoke. She spoke. And and just, you know, it, it, it kind of came out of left field. And she speaks in Chozo, which to me is so much better than her speaking English or yeah. Japanese. And it's 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 just so good. And she sounds so good. She's fluent. Yeah. In bird. That's her first language at this point, essentially. No, it's her second. It's essentially her first language. She was speaking a lot of Chozo growing up on Zebus. Oh. These people love the lore. They do. They built on it. You can tell that this was made by folks who have a real affection for Metroid. So Quiet Rope unlocks the gate and has disabled all the Emmy. And uh, inconveniently for those who hope to speak to him again. He gets murked <laughs> by one of the Century Robot Warriors. And then Samus has a little boss fight over her dead uncle's body. He'll just die like flies. Oh, God. Yeah. Here it's time to uh, present my theory. Let's go. Uh-huh. We've noticed that the Emmy, the way they look kind of looks like Chozo. Uh-huh. That's true. Uh, and apparently the way that Ravenbeak got things under control here was using robotic Chozo soldiers. Yes. That is one theory. 
So I think that maybe the plans for the Emmy were transmitted to the Federation by Ravenbeak. Oh, if we recall, the the Emmy were made by a private company. Yes. That we don't know anything about. Uh-huh. Except for their oh. name. Ravenbeak's got a lot. He's got uh, the Space Pirates. He's built his own private company. I mean, when you're the ruler of an entire planet worth of warrior super scientists, it kind of makes sense. The corporation's name is Excelion. Yeah, that sounds Chozo. Why not? <laughs> Excelion Star Corp. <laughs> the strongest of them. Ravenbeak like slicking back his feathers and getting in a nice business suit and presenting his plan to the Federation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got like a whole Clark Kent alias. Yeah, I'm imagining uh, Ravenbeak wearing the big square glasses, stooping over so nobody sees how tall he is with his posture straightened out. Especially because the thing that the Emmy are designed for is DNA extraction. Yeah. And I think maybe the thing he was hoping for is that Samus takes a while to fully activate her DNA, but if she can activate it early enough, then the Emmy can just suck it out. You know, theoretically, the bounty... The Emmy being sent out to the planet, all of that could have been done without the Federation. Yes. In that case. Absolutely. This could have just been a transmission sent to Samus. Yes. A trap. But I think that's the thing. It's clearly a trap for her, and she recognizes that it's a trap, and she goes in anyway because she knows what she's looking at. Because it, she sees that the message is meant for her. The bounty is way too low. This is about the X. It's taking place on the Maquin homeworld. And I think she knows full well what she's walking into, even if Ravenbeak thinks that she doesn't. Hmm. But that's me. I'm often like that. Um, okay, so our, our good uncle is dead. You walk past some Emmy who have been shut down, but later they're turned back on because Ravenbeak's a dick. That she just leaves his body there, knowing that there's X. Well, she doesn't. She she he told her that the X are un, were put under control. I don't. Her understanding of putting the X under control means killing all. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. But then also her version of controlling the X would have been to blow up CDR, <laughs> uh-huh. which. Interesting that somebody should say that. It's a Toha way. It is the Toha way. Um, when you speak to Adam again, he says, our Toha friend explained much. Our Toha friend explained much. Yeah, that sounds a lot like you, Adam. He calls her Samus Aaron again. Samus Aaron, re- referring to her by the full name. Uh, Ravenbeak lured you here. With his big, smart, wrinkly brain. Uh, this kind of implies that Adam understands Chozo. Yes, it does. Or he- I mean, that makes sense. Does it? I think uh, Samus would teach her computer Chozo. I don't know if she would. I mean, maybe. Her computer almost dad. I'm not going to count Adam as one of her dads in future. He's discounted. If her gun is like uploading data to the computer, then it just uploads that. I guess it could. Her, her, Her suit probably has a hella- Galactic Basic to Chozo Dictionary in it. So Quiet Robe uh, unlocks the gate that gets you into, is it Elon? Sure. Which is the uh, lived area of ZDR. It's where everybody hung out. This is where you get the super missile. Hell yeah, the super missile. This is where the X are. Oh. Oh. Right, 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 right. This is where Samus goes through... The entrance and all of these cameras are watching her, like these great floating eyes, like, hey, 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 hey. And Samus is just like, hmm. 
Hmm. Hmm. I took this as a big like checkpoint to detect X. Only it really super failed. Yeah. Well, it didn't detect any on her. No. And Even she, though she is part X. Well, no, she has digested quite a lot of X. I think she was infected previously with X and then got the got the COVID vaccine. Uh, hmm. So at the at the end of fusion. Oh, she you're e- right. she eats and digests that X, but I don't think she is herself part X. Okay. Well, maybe. I'm willing to harbor that she probably has some particles. Well, maybe the Metroid part ate it. I don't That's know. That's what I'm saying. She she was a Metroid. She ate an X. Mm. She'd been doing that the whole time. She's the only way to get rid of X as short of blowing up a planet. But um yeah, she she she's like, "All right, I guess I have to open this door to move forward." And she opens the door and this big rainbow storm of happy flying dittos just comes screaming out. No, no, that that doesn't she doesn't open let them loose. Oh. The door closes after her fine. Right, okay, yes, I'm sorry. You find gooey chozo gloops all over the place. And they are definitely X. Yep. There's X all over. There's X all in here. You suddenly remember that fusion happened. But the fact that there are X are in here is interesting because they have yet to try to escape. There's a big door. There's a big door. How do you open the door? What 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 is it that causes the door to open? Uh you have to get the plasma beam in the area. Right. And the gate. No, it does seem like uh, it's being remotely opened. Yes, the gate is mysteriously open after you've accomplished your tasks. There. It's like some asshole with an eight pack is opening the door specifically. And that's when yeah. you get the rainbow of X happily. How did you feel about the rainbow of X flying out, Crystal? I was happy to see him. It's like, oh, they're so cute. They're old friends. They're so happy to go out and eat. They're like, we and. They, I think that this game does pretty good at presenting how terrible a threat the X are because you talk to Adam like an hour later and he's like, yeah, every single creature on this planet has been killed and replaced by the X. Yeah. Every single one on the whole planet. It's neat how you, as you travel uh, freshly to those areas, you see the things get infected. Yeah. And you're like, oh shit. Oh fuck. Everything is harder and worse. But I can't eat them for power-ups. Yeah. So, I'm surprised that Ravenbeak let her back out. I well, again, this whole thing is just about activating her Metroid uh, organ, right? So what he really, yeah, but so he unleashed. I, I would think, like, go ahead. I would think that, like, well, I have a Metroid right here. Why don't I just let her eat all the X in this room so they stop being a problem? Because it's not about the X; it's about her. When the X are unleashed. It creates new scenarios that she has to fight through and activates or stimulates her Metroid instincts further and further. The X okay. would stimulate a Metroid. Because she is now part beast that was designed specifically to stop the X. And here they are. Somewhere around here is when we also have a quiet robe gets absorbed. By an X. And he gets up and his eyes are white and glowy. Uh-huh. And he says, I'm counting on you. Which is a repeat of the last thing that he said before he was killed. So it's like this spooky ghost horror movie echo of him. So you look at him, you go, oh no, Quiet Robe's a monster now. Questions. Go ahead. I can wait till later, but... The relationship between the Chozo and the X in this game is actually very interesting. Very interesting. I wonder if we're going to get to it. Today it's going to... I suppose if the X are intelligence and that they have absorbed the memories of Quiet Robe, 
Um, it is in their best interest for the Metroids to not come back. Yeah. I I would agree with you that they are smarter or more sapient than everybody says. Everybody just says the X are just beasts. They're cold, unthinking. They don't have feet. Everybody being Samus. Samus and, no, I think if, um, Ravenbeak and various other people have said it. Adam. Anyway, they do seem to have very clear goals and complex thinking about how to accomplish these goals. That's true. But I think that at least part of that comes down to the person of Quiet Robe and more importantly, the person of Ravenbeak. Because as has been established here, the Chozo are telepathic. Telepathy is how the Toha control the Metroids. Huh. I don't know if that was clear to Well, it'll come up a little bit later when we talk more about the X and Ravenbeak and how those two things relate to each other and how Ravenbeak stopped the initial outbreak of the X. He says that it's a mystery um, as to why the X were freed. Perhaps it's some kind of message. A message? That person's motives are still a mystery. That person. Uh, that part is in quotes because I don't really know what the actual line there is. The right. motives are still a mystery. It's a fragment that I have. Of course. This is the part of the game where I, I read some of the Mercury Steam interviews and they wanted 50% more unique bosses. That makes sense. Cut. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's too many. They had a lot of unique bosses in this game. Nintendo stopped them. Because yeah, the scope was getting too big. Nintendo's like, we need, to, we need you to fight the Chozo soldier uh, 10 times. <laughs> but they were also like, hey, um, we need you to finish this sometime within the next three years. I The soldiers were complex. They were hard for me. And I guess there were two types of soldiers. And then there were also the robots that come up multiple times. And then there was the tag team robots, which was a hell of a fight. Ugh, but... I kind of wanted to see the other bosses. Yes, I agree that it would have been fun to see them. That's a that's kind of a uh, impression that I had going through Elden Ring too, and that there there's so many bosses in that game, but so many of them are repeats of the same boss over and over. I liked it with the Emmy because um, each of them was kind of like their own little movement puzzle. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, those were good. But the Chosen Soldiers are just literally the same thing. And the Ravenbeak is also basically a Chozo soldier. I, as a fight, I badly dispute that idea. Like, in terms of appearance, okay, he is a Chozo guy, but- He uses a lot of the same moves. Uh, I don't know. I'm not good with movesets, so I'm I'm not sure. I, I do remember him being like Dracula. It's been six or eight months since I played, so you've got me at a disadvantage there. The Emmy have been reactivated. They sure have, the dicks. Are you having trouble reading your handwriting? No, I can read it. I think it gets cold. It gets cold, yes. To try to stop Samus. Again, the Emmy are really good at shutting down the thermal cores specifically to make things cold so that Samus can't hunt them. These X instantly recognize what Samus is and come up with and implement a plan to try to stop her. So Samus's next goal is to go back into the lava part, which runs everything on the planet, and unstick the uh, generator that they have stuck. I really like how you have to go through the first map again, and it's all cold. Yes, they've completely changed the environment in a very uh, Skyward Sword sort of way. Yeah, or like Fusion had a f that did that very well, I uh, think. Uh, uh. How did you find the map traversal, Crystal? I thought it was fun to go through this um, changed frozen area. Pretty graphically. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
And at this point, you also have to go back through the bio labs again. Um, you'll notice that a creature which had been vivisected and was being experimented on is missing. You also have to run past what is clearly the screw attack. Yeah, it's like, oh, there's the screw. Oh, I can't get it yet. And when you get to the generators that are being clogged. Uh, they are being held in place by a giant X, which has taken over the vivisected super monster, which looks a lot like Corphus, only 45 times more horrible. Z53. It is the 53rd iteration of that particular experiment. Would you say Z or Z? I would probably say Z now because I've lived in Canada that long. Crystal, would you say Z? I would say Z. It's so cool. I had a problem with this early on when I first came to Canada. I was playing uh, Mario Kart Double Dash with, I think, a couple of Monica's younger cousins. And I was on a team with one of them. And whenever, at some point, I was like, man, I forget completely how to play this. How do I even use the items? And he kept saying to me, press Z. And to me, he might as well have been speaking Greek. I just turned and I looked at him. I was like, what? <laughs> Press Z. Press Z. Uh-huh. Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball Z. That one didn't stick because the intro song was the, you know, very hardcore Dragon Dragon Ball. Yeah. Dragon Ball Z. Uh-huh. That, they did not say Z. Americans don't know that song, Monica. Oh. We know Dragon Dragon <laughs> Rock the Dragon. Oh. Well, uh, Americans, go listen to the Canadian or Ocean Group. <laughs> they didn't say Rock the Dragon? No. Yeah, no, they didn't. What? They said Dragon, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z. What the hell? Hold on. I'll get it for you, Crystal. Okay. Here we go. Canadian. Is this the one? Okay, Crystal. I'm putting it in the line. Okay, I'm listening to it. This shit sucks. You only need the first 10 seconds. Okay, it's, it's kind of a different tune. It really is. That's, all you That's the whole song. Doesn't really compare to Rock the Dragon very well, in my estimation. No, it's no Rock the Dragon. I like the voices better in the Canadian version, though. But the ocean dub generally was extremely good for its time. Hell, even now, because they kept the ocean dub running in parallel all the way through the Boo Saga, I think. Uh... Z-53. 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 Okay. This was the uh, Diggernaut fight. It was basically the equivalent of the Diggernaut fight, just in terms of how much of the screen it could fill up with kill you bullshit. And the multiple phases. Yeah. Did you find this one hard, Crystal? Uh, Not particularly. Like, all the bosses I got within, like, six-ish tries. Have you ever seen the thing where somebody uses the light speed dash to shine spark directly into its face and it just insta gives it oh that's really clever it is so good i managed to do it once during my two hour run and it feels so good to land i think you basically have to do the shine sparking when it's blowing you into a corner yeah you can run against that and then you store the shine spark jump over a couple of things and then just at the right second you charge forward and smack it in the face Oh, it's good. You know, the, all these uh, mock and bioweapons do seem kind of in line with the space pirates. They really do. Uh-huh. They have a lot but of- But they also seem in line with the BSL. They really do. Do you think that the shadowy organization within the uh, <laughs> Federation is linked to Ravenbeak? Ravenbeak's everywhere. Now, here's the problem, though. Here's the problem. I think they are actually separate organizations. Because there's Metroids. Because there's Metroids. The Federation Shadow Organization has Metroids. 
but Ravenbeak don't. They had the Krabby Patty formula. This implies to me that the whole thing with getting the X under control may have been very recent indeed and interrupted Ravenbeak's uh, ability to interface with the Federation at some point. That or, in truth, he might have wanted the Metroid to begin with, but then realized he wanted a Metroid he could control and also could take orders. That's a little different. Yes. because That's true, because without the Toha, you can't control the Metroids as they are. Right. So Samus is the only Metroid that matters, period. Yes. Once you know the possibility of a, you know, soldier, basically a Chozo soldier Metroid. But he went through all this trouble of keeping Quiet Robe alive during the X breakout. That's true. I, I think he would have been perfectly happy to just take a Metroid. Just any Metroid. Shifting goals. True. But I think the goal probably shifted after Fusion rather than at the end of the uh, taking control of the X thing that he did. Um, Adam tells you that you have a very low probability of success standing against Ravenbeak. His, right his arms are just so big and strong. He's like Ra-Ru. He's like Ra-Ru. With a, with a strength greater than time and the Master Sword, he's going to bring back the Metroids. And uh, you better go and hunt down Ravenbeak. Uh, because he won't sit idly by when the planet is destroyed, which no doubt you want to do. You shouldn't try to run away because he will hunt you across the galaxy. Yeah. It's like, you have no choice here. We've got to destroy the planet to get rid of the X. Yep. And you also have to face down Ravenbeak because if you run, he will find you and then he will get to choose the battleground. You really shouldn't leave even though you're on the surface now and your ship's over there. Yeah. Don't leave yet. Don't leave yet. Don't leave yet, says Adam. What if I let you destroy the planet? Will that make you stay? I know you love destroying planets. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. It's like Ravenbeak fucking negotiating as the best way he knows how. He doesn't know how. Monica's trying to decipher her notes. I have Omega Blaster Elevator. Wave Beam Enemy. Monica, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, right. The, Test two. Th- this game is a little bit unusual in the Metroid games in that normally you would get the plasma beam after the wave beam but in this game the wave beam is damn near the last thing you get you have to go through a whole sidetrack and a fucking that this one's a unique boss yes this yes which unique boss do you mean the one in the right corner of the what the fuck does that mean <laughs> i don't remember i didn't write down his name well the wave beam no not the wave beam boss that's an emmy what are you talking about wasn't there a boss it, it kind of cracked through the windows what it was in the rainy area of the upper map. The upper map. Well, Crystal, do you know what the hell she's talking about? Um, talking about Eskew? The big bug? The big bug, what attacks with, uh, and you- It, it had sort of a little gravitational- Oh, that, that that's the, uh- Galzuna. The one that you- Galzuna. What? No, wait, that's another thing. The bug is the one that you get the storm missiles from, right? Maybe- Remember. I sure as shit don't remember. Dragon, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z. Oh, it's awful. I'm just checking. Oh, there's an X. Esk. So that was the name that you mentioned, right, Crystal? Yeah. You get the storm missiles from Eskio. Yeah, the storm missiles. Yeah. It's like I said. Monica. Dick. So what- What? what you, you get the wave beam from an Emmy. Yes. And it's damn near the last one that you get. I, one thing that I really like about the Emmys, just as a little bit of flavor, is that after you take out the central processing units, they stop using the specific- um, Chozo tech that they had previously been using to hunt you, mm-hmm. and they revert to being regular ass Emmy that you can shoot in the head. 
which does sort of delineate its abilities, which might be conferred by the control unit. Yeah, that, that that's another thing that I think that's another little hint in the structure of the game that suggests that the CEPUs might be the sources of their Chozo powers. The of course, because they were designed by Raven Beak, so of course they'd be compatible with the system. Something like that, yeah. Though, next- though I guess also Quiet Road Quiet. could have done the actual designing. Yeah. Raven Beak said, this would be cool, and make it do this, and have flashy lights, and then Quiet Road kind of sighs. It's got a scary spike in its hand, but also in its face. The next point of note that I have is just Samus walking through the test tube room, where actually there are a, at least one more creature that is not infected by an X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and she eats it. She does. She she reflexively does the Metroid hand thing, grabs onto it, drains it of his power, and scares the shit out of herself. And I think we actually have to call it right here for right now. Yes, we'll call it as the camera zooms out to Ravenbeak watching on the monitor, thinking, <laughs> things are proceeding as plans. Oh. That is it, more or less exactly what happens. When this was going on, um, Crystal, I take it you hadn't clued in about the Adam twist yet. I, it was at about this point, and I was like, hmm, something, something's up. Right. Nice. That makes sense. Oh, I didn't get it until later than this. We have a few emails from from readers where they recount their periods of uh I would be happy to read those in the next episode. Okay. I think that yeah. is a good amount of coverage for the next episode, covering the ending and then uh the the different uh, Metroid emails that we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that all right with all you, right. Crystal? Yeah, that's all right with me. We can call it here. Ooh. That's um, a good game. Dread is a pretty good video game. It's the best Metroid game. It's the best Metroid game. And we don't care which one of you old heads don't like it. We don't give a shit. Was it the old best? heads don't like this one? Um, there's at least some old heads who much prefer, uh, you know, there's always going to be the ones who are like, oh, the Metroid hasn't had a good one since Super. Or there's like a renaissance for fusion nowadays. Really? Yeah, absolutely. But fusion? Yeah. Okay. I do love it. Yeah, there's certain old heads who feel that Dread goes too far to guide you too much. Uh, compared its- to Fusion? Yes, even compared to Fusion. And that the way that it leans into Samus's background isn't in keeping with the rest of the series and all sorts of things like that. And then there's people who hate anything that's controlled with an analog stick. Super Metroid. At least enjoy a good game like Metroid 2. God <laughs> damn. Was, was this the best game of last year? Um, A lot of good things came out last year. What came out in 2021? No one knows. Cameron, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter, at CamWriter, and nowhere else. You can find me at Arcane Crystal. You can find me on MCU Complete Me Presents The Matrix Has You at Hello, where we talk about Marvel movies and The Matrix movies and other films that we feel like talking about. I do that with Luke. I'm also on the actual play podcast, Eidolon Playtest, where... uh, we do a bunch of different campaigns where your soul is a spirit that exists outside your body and has magic powers that can fight for you. Sort of like, like Persona or JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Oh, yeah. I really appreciate- Would you like to hear a- Sorry. I, I was just going to say, I really appreciate how much MCU Complete Me has moved away from being an MCU <laughs> podcast yeah. as the MCU just kind of rankles in your mouth a little bit. Yeah. As a multiverse movie- I think you should all watch and review uh, everything, everywhere, all at once instead of the Doctor Strange. <laughs> you know, I know Luke really liked that movie. We also really like that yes. movie. 
And I, I know you I, didn't I, care I did, for it. I didn't much care for it. Oh. Yeah, you didn't care for it quite as much. I'm sorry about that, Crystal. The best game of 2021 is the Caligula Effect 2. Sweet Jesus. What? Please tell us a Metroid joke. <laughs> it's a dread joke, not a Metroid joke. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's see. This comes in from upjoke.com slash dread dash jokes. Oh my God. If we make it past 2020, I'll be dreading 2022. After all, 2022 is 2022. Hey. What the fuck? It's just about dread. That is like a fucking Japanese word pun in English. I don't know. Oh, fuck it. All right. Good night, everybody. Bye. Shit.